what the Lord is saying to us today. Rely on me. Rely on me. It's really moved by what you said, Hannah, about just getting to the end of yourself and then having that encounter with Jesus. I feel the Lord is saying that he wants us to be in that place of brokenness, in a good kind of brokenness, where we know our need for God. And that's where he wants us to be. He doesn't want us to get into self-sufficiency, but he wants us to stay in that place of humility, knowing our need for him. I was just reminded as we were worshipping with Jacob in, in Genesis when God broke his hip. What a lovely thing to do. But I had that picture of him hobbling around. Maybe he had a stick. And, um, and then I, I saw myself <laughs> hobbling around with a stick. And how, you know, when you've got a broken hip, you need a, you need a stick. And not that God wants us to walk around with a stick, by the way, but it's that sense of internally, we know that we need him. We know, we know that we need him. And so there's that humility that comes when you know that you need him. Amen. And we've been doing this discipleship series since September. I don't know how you found it, what matters. And I've really appreciated just digging deep. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, um, discipleship without humility is like trying to make a loaf of bread without yeast. It's not happening. Has anyone tried to make bread without yeast? Obviously, if you want flatbread, that's okay. I cheat, I've got a bread machine. But I put it, that is cheating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of real bakers here. I'm just confessing. I, I do cheat. Put it all into one little thing and press the button, off it goes. But occasionally, when the yeast doesn't work, you don't put enough in, the yeast has gone off, well, what happens? I wake up the following morning, open the lid, and it's just the same shape, but just really hard. It's just this big lump of yuck. And then I get out and say, sorry, girls, breakfast is uh, a bit different this morning. <laughs> You're getting porridge, which is actually okay. Respect to porridge eaters. But this is what discipleship like. This is what discipleship is like when you don't have humility. You stay the same. We could listen to a hundred different preachers and go, oh, that was a good sermon. Wonderful. I bet that really touched someone. I'm thinking of that person. Yep, yep, that, that preach, that was really good for them. I really hope they heard it. In fact, I might send it to them. Listen to this preach. You'll love it. If we have that approach, it doesn't matter how many times we get turned around and how much 
we get baked, we're going to stay the same shape. There's not going to be any growth. Zero. There's not going to be any growth in the Lord at all without humility, without that sense of, Lord, I can't do it. I need you. Please come and move in my life. If you don't move, I'm going to be the same. Like, just whether that's like the internal struggles that's going on or stuff that we don't even know about. This morning I'm going to be sharing about something that God's done in my heart that I was completely unconscious of for many years until he just said, by the way, you want to deal with that, bro? And I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Can I get some water? Is that all right? Sorry, I just realized my mouth's just gone really dry. Thank you. So I'm just so grateful for the Holy Spirit leading us into that place even before I spoke. Like, he wants to teach us about humility and he doesn't want us to stay there. And like he broke Jacob's hip, I believe that he wants us to break us in a sense so that we can't recover and we always need him. We don't ever get past, oh, I don't need you now. He wants to permanently break us. Thank you so much so that we know our need for him. We don't go into self-sufficiency mode. The challenge we've got is that we live in a culture where self-sufficiency, the self-made man and woman, the get-help stuff, is really popular, really big. And we respect it and we applaud it when someone does it on their own. And I get that. But I believe the Lord wants to say, you can't do this without me. You can't look like me on your own. No matter how many books we read, podcasts we listen to, sermons we listen to, you can't be more like Jesus without Jesus. Amen? So, shall I look at my notes? Nah. Let's look at Luke 5 together. Luke 5, if you've got your Bibles out, that'd be cool. Uh, Verse 27. I'll read it if you don't have one, it's cool. Luke 5, 27. (sighs) I don't know what your relationships are like when when you read about Pharisees in the Bible. I used to think when I was younger, gosh, what are they like? And then as I've gotten older, I've realized how similar I am. Let's read it. And after this, he went out and saw a tax collector called, named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a great company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees And their scribes grumbled at the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, 
but those who, who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. In Jesus' eyes, it's a shame Steve Jones isn't here actually right now because he was, used to teach me this at Sunday school. In Jesus' eyes, were the Pharisees righteous? It's not a trick question. No. So when he said, um, the righteous, I, like, I, have not, I have not come to call the righteous, I've come for the sick. Was he saying that they didn't need Jesus? No. But the posture of the heart was saying that they had no need for a savior. They had no need for Jesus at all. So all Je- Jesus had come for those that knew they needed saving, who knew they needed a physician. They knew they needed help. He, and I, I, I don't know if, I don't know how the Pharisees took that, but obviously us reading it now, we know that Jesus came for everyone. But he, he specifically said, I've come for the sick. And I would translate that as those that know their need for God. Those that know they're sick. I have come to those that know they are sick. God, be more specific, Jesus, same thing, is attracted to the humble. He's attracted to those that know they're sick. In James, it says that God opposes the proud. He exalts the humble. He's drawn to the humble. And again and again, we see in scriptures how Jesus is drawn to those that know they ne- that need him. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. He humbled himself and climbed a tree so that he could meet Jesus. The woman with blood pushed through a crowd. She humbled herself and pushed through a, ca- a crowd to get to Jesus. The blind man when the crowds were going by. Son of David, don't pass me by. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He was willing to humble himself and shout and say, Jesus, do not pass me by. Son of David, don't walk by me. I need you. And in every situation, what did Jesus do? He stopped and he healed and he delivered and he set free. This is a key ingredient for discipleship. This is a key ingredient for us as followers of Jesus. We have to be humble. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about pride. Amen? Come on. Let's talk about pride. That is, pride is the, the, it's probably, it could be the biggest thing that's going to stop you encountering Jesus. It stopped the Pharisees. But it didn't stop the lonely and the humble that know the needed God because they had humbled themselves. It's the biggest blocker to spiritual breakthrough and spiritual growth. It results, pride results in a lack of hunger, a lack of expectation, a sense of independence. Let me just be really upfront. The Holy Spirit has been dealing with pride in my own, my own heart. And um, 
and it's subtle. It's like very, you don't even know it's there sometimes. It can just be like, it could be there. And uh, I've really just been so thankful for the Holy Spirit. It's just taking me on a journey of just revealing the motivations of my heart, even if they're just very, I've just missed them. You know, I thought, I haven't hurt anyone. But the Lord is like saying, hey, that's pride. Deal with that. Because ultimately, that's stopping you knowing me. That's stopping you knowing me, knowing me close. So I, I say all this in humility, I hope. <laughs> and just to say, as I'm talking about pride, this is stuff that the Holy Spirit has talked to me specifically about, okay? So pride loves being right. And importantly, pride loves being seen to be right. Can I get an amen? Pride just loves it when we think that other people think well of us. But pride is far less concerned about what the Lord thinks. I, am, I don't know if you've heard of David's tent. I, I've been going for about, I don't know, since the beginning. And um, recently, I was weighing up whether to go for the eighth year. And um, I was having this internal conversation with the Lord. Like, I don't think we're going to go. I don't know if this is right this year. And because we're trying to work out what's right for Chloe and I. It's not so straightforward anymore. And um, a thought came into my head, which was, ah, I've been going from eight years. I've been going since it began, when it was small, and now it's huge, and I can say that I've been from, from the beginning. And then the Holy Spirit was like, Joe, that's pride, man. And I was like, is it? And I realized I was making a decision based on what other people thought. So I, was like, I could no longer say I've been going eight years straight. Now, that might not seem very big for you, to you, but for me... I felt the Holy Spirit was just challenging me. Are you making choices in life, Joe, because you're walking with me, because you're my disciple, or because you care about, you care about how other people perceive you? You care about what other people think about you. And I was like, man, you're right. What a sneaky little thought. I almost completely missed it. And this is the heart of the Pharisee. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees so many times. <laughs> he almost started feeling sorry for them. But like, he would say, you know, Pharisees would stand on the, on the, creek, the, the, the street corner praying so that everyone could hear their prayers. When they fasted, they made sure everyone knew about it because they dressed like they were about to die. And they were just like, woe is me. And when they gave money to the poor, it was like, I am giving money to the poor. Look at me. And guess what? Like, we've got that same sort of challenge in our lives. Um, we've, got to, we've got to weigh up our motivations. Jesus actually taught the disciples the opposite of all those things. He said, like, give in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Like, when you pray, pray in your closet. Shut the door. Go and pray. He actually taught them the complete opposite. When you fast, put oil in your hair so it doesn't look like you're fasting. I don't know how that helps, but I trust that does help. <laughs> He's got to trust the Bible. Amen? But like, 
Jesus taught them the opposite because he's basically saying, none of that stuff is for other people. That other stuff is for me. Like, you pray, you fast, you give to the poor because of me, he's saying. Not for other people, not because other people will perceive you that way. Make sure you do it for me. So he said, like, to help you, pray in, like, pray in your closet. To help you, don't, when you fast with me, because you, you, you long to be with me, wash. You know, like, put on clothes that, you know. Anyway, you hear my heart. Cool. Another thing that pride does, and this is really big again, I've touched on it before, but it's basically saying, I don't need you, God. Pride says, I actually don't need you. I'm good. You know, I'll find a way with this, God. Trust me, like, I, I can find my way out of this one. I know there's a solution that I can find, and then I'll praise you. Thank you, Jesus. And that's it's also a really, really sneaky lie that I hope if you think it now, that it kind of like the red lights come on a bit. Pride struggles to ask for help. It, we all like pride, when we walk in pride, we just kind of go, no, we're going we're gonna to make a way, we're going to find a way. I've been reading Jeremiah recently, and Jeremiah says, I will pronounce judgment on my people. It says, yes, they worship idols made with their own hands. And that really struck me. They worship what they made. I recently heard a quote, if God does only half the work, he only deserves half the glory. Think about that. If God only does half the work, he only deserves half the glory. Just putting it out there. I thought it was a good quote. Let's let, let's let God build the house. And then he can have all the glory. I'm conscious of time. Um, but that one's big for me, just so you know. That is so big. I love being proactive, and I think that's important. I love finding solutions, and I think that's important. But it's like, do it with the Lord. Cry out to God. Do it with him. Pray with him. Be with him and listen to him. He's got some amazing ideas. And some ideas that you think are crazy, but they work. And also, pride is incredibly judgmental. So pride in itself is very self-absorbed and when you're walking in pride, even if you don't know it, it can cause you to be very critical of people. And um, it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. And, you know, like in the pa- passage we just read, with the Pharisees grumbling, judging the tax collectors, you know, we could easily grumble about other people if we find our worth in comparing ourselves to others and finding self-righteousness, comparing ourselves to other people, we're just going to judge. We're just going to judge and we're going to be critical. But that's not, that's not what the Lord's called us into. He's asked us not to judge, not to compare, but to love and to be selfless and to and excel others. That's the way. So, Let's offer those things to you. Like pride is sneaky. Pride 
It's subtle. We can walk, we can talk, we can look at people, we can process stuff through the lens of pride if we're not careful. It can cause us to be very indifferent about things. It can cause us to feel like God's not going to do anything. So it's, it's really important that we address it. And I just, I'm in, I'm in, I feel like I'm in this. I'm, I'm off, I offer this to you today because I know that I'm in that place. I know that God wants to deal with pride in my own heart. And, um, and I believe this is actually a word for the whole church, for the whole body. I believe he wants to bring a humility to the church where we just call out for him. That our default is, is hunger. Our default is crying out to the Lord. Our default is like, Lord, if you don't come, we can't do it. If you don't come, we've got nothing. If you don't come up with this idea, if you don't come up with this solution, we've got nothing. I feel like that's the new baseline the Lord wants to bring across the whole. And the danger is, is that there are lots of good ideas out there. There's lots of best practice out there. There are so many books and resources out there that you can read. And um, whether that's for leadership or for family life or for work or for whatever thing, whatever thing you're going through, there are so many like, this is how you can succeed in life. This is how you can achieve this. And this is how we can do that. This is how you run a church. This is how you run a burn. This is how you lead a family. This is how you blah, 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 blah. List is endless. But the Lord wants us to be broken. He wants us to be dependent. He wants us to be humble. Amen? That is the safest place you can be. And that is not self-pity. That is not having a low opinion of yourself. That's the opposite. It's actually just putting the focus on Jesus, not on yourself. Self-pity is when you put too much emphasis on yourself and you haven't come up with a solution. But what you need to do is put the focus on Jesus and wait for him to give you the solution. Amen? Okay. So I'd love us to pray. Um, and if, if you want to go on the journey of just praying this through with the Lord, I would encourage you to do it. You're not going to regret it. The Lord is drawn to the humble. Like, he is just, he's just, he will not reject a broken and contrite heart. He is just so in there. As soon as you break that alabaster jar, as soon as you like say, Lord, I need you, he's like, yes, you do. And I'm here. And I've been waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to say that. Okay, let's pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we need you so much. Lord, Lord, we repent and we ask for your forgiveness for when we've looked to other people, for affirmation when we've looked for other people, uh, for validation and for solutions. Lord, when we've become so independent and so hard-hearted towards you, that we try to do it in our own strength, we try and do life in our own strength, we try and we try and do life without you. How crazy is that? Lord, we repent for trying to be followers of you without you. 
Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for being proud. Even when we haven't realized it. Lord God, I pray that you forgive us for this sin. Forgive us for this sin. You are more than we need. Lord, you satisfy our souls. We find home in you. We find hope in you. Our future, our safety, you are our refuge. Everything we need is found in you, God. So Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you, Jesus. We say you are our king. Be the yeast in our life. We look to you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Awaken our hearts to life. And if you agree with that, say amen.